Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Some of you call me El Conservador. Some of you call me Mr. Call Screener, Richie V. All of that, and then some at Rich Valdez with an S. I got a lot to talk about today. Welcome to the program. This is the Thursday edition of This Is America. And kudos to my guy, Curtis Sliwa. He did win the primary election for mayor of the city of New York, proving that elections are still winnable if you're willing to put out the hard work. That's it. Bottom line. I don't want to hear any more on this. Oh, we can't ever win again. No, no, we can't win. Yes, we can. Now, I was listening to the radio this morning. I flip through the channels when I go to get my coffee in the morning. And depending on how early I'm up, sometimes I'm an insomniac. So if I get up really early, it's like, all right, I'm going to Wawa. If I get up after, you know, eight, nine o'clock in the morning, then I'll go to my little uh, Hispanic place, a Cuban restaurant, La Giraldia, great coffee. But I was going to Wawa today. So the ride's a little bit longer. And interestingly, I turn on the radio and I'm flipping through. I'm listening to the morning show. I'm listening to the other stations and I'm listening to the hip hop station because I like to see what's going on there. I really do. Great broadcasters over there on Hot 97. I never agree uh, or rarely agree with a lot of what they talk about, but um, they are great broadcasters. And when they do just regular talk, it's terrific. When they get political, it's like, ah, I'd go to a political station if I was looking for that. But they were talking about a great topic and it was Britney Spears conservatorship and what I found interesting was, you know, some of them are saying, well, you know, the reason that she has a conservatorship to begin with was because she had some mental illness and she had all this money because she's a superstar. So her parents had divorced and her dad became her keeper, if you will, her conservator. Now, I look at that and I think to myself, so hold on a second. Is it now a crime to be rich and crazy? Because if it is, Somebody sound the alarm. We've got to get at George Soros and so many other crazy rich people. But that's what ended up happening. She had a mental breakdown. The business got to her, whatever it was, if it was even true to begin with. And now her dad has full control over all of her finances and is spending her money. And she's like, I want to get it back to the point complaining in the documentary that she was in per the report that I heard that they're keeping her occupied, like with a nurse, an aide, an assistant, whatever it is, 24 hours a day, she's never by herself. And it, this is against her own will. And I'm thinking this back and forth with the hosts of the show, Ebro, Rosenberg, Laura Stiles, really great conversation. And to me, the most striking thing that came out was nobody ever asked what her rights were. Since when is it okay that if you have a child with mental illness, all of a sudden she's got to be, you know, 30 something, 40 years old. 
just because you're crazy, you can't manage your money? Since when is that a thing? I thought the rules were like, if you're going to hurt yourself or others. I mean, if you're going to hurt yourself financially, I didn't think that fell into that. I thought physical harm was the criteria here. Now, I don't have an immediate expert that I'm going to bring in, but I do have an immediate expert that we're going to bring in on the Mayor Giuliani situation, because that's breaking news that broke this morning that the New York State Supreme Court says no more law license for Mayor Giuliani. And on top of that, they also said, we don't even know how long it's going to be for. And there's this 33-page ruling, and we're going to have Andrew Giuliani joining the show in a little bit. Andrew Giuliani will be with us. But back to this Britney Spears. It really just struck me because I was like, you know what? How is it that we don't have that freedom anymore to say, look, I, I had a mental breakdown and uh, whatever. I want to buy a house, sell a house, buy a Ferrari, sell a Ferrari, whatever. Go on vacation, send my friends on vacation. I just don't know the ins and outs of it. I am ignorant to the facts of this case, but I can say just on its face, if I ever go nuts and I've got a bunch of money, let me spend my money, please. <laughs> just don't don't stop me from from. Um, living my best life. I'm living my best life, right? I, I just want to do what I want to do. Now, I want to get to a couple of things. There's a few stories that I'm not going to get to in today's episode, but I want to tease them because I want to do them next time. One of them is the not politically correct pageant queen from New Jersey. Uh, there's some really good audio on that that I'm going to get to. And then we've got George Floyd statues that are being erected all over the place, and there's some audio on that. Plus, I promised you guys a movie review of in the Heights, because I went on Father's Day to see In the Heights with my kids. And I got to say, they they criticized this movie, saying that the casting was uh, somehow racist or it wasn't appropriate because it wasn't brown enough. There weren't enough Afro-Latinos, quote unquote, in the film, directed by a Puerto Rican guy, but happens to be light-skinned. And I thought it was ridiculous. And after I watched it, I thought it was more ridiculous. The movie was excellent. While it did include moments of wokeness, where, you know, things that weren't in the original play, like, you know, the kids saying, oh, I'm a dreamer and I can't go to college for free. And I'm thinking, hit the brakes. When, when, I, when I was filing the paperwork for my kid to go to college, one of the questions they asked was, are you an illegal alien or a dreamer? Because if they were under the New Jersey Dream Act, she could go to school for free. And I was like, man, I was tempted to say, listen, kid, tell them you were born south of the border. But she looked at me. I looked at her. We knew that wasn't the right thing to do. So, you know, paying for college is, is the way that it'll be, whatever it works out to be. But I just thought it was interesting that in the movie, they make it look like if you're not born in America, if you're an illegal alien, you can't go to college for free. And that's just a bold-faced lie. Maybe in certain states, but you come to these blue states like New Jersey, New York, you get everything for free. You know, you've got people that have worked and actually paid into unemployment insurance and all that stuff. And they may not get as much as somebody who was an illegal alien or somebody that was incarcerated who can get 27K. And we talked about that at length. I don't want to get into all that, but I did want to give my review on the movie and say, ultimately, all in all, with the movie, I thought that it really, um, the end of the story, small business owner from Puerto Rico, guy moves out of Puerto Rico, comes here, his wife dies, he raises his daughter in Washington Heights, he starts a cab business, and eventually like buys the building, then he sells it so that he can pay for her tuition to go to Stanford. And I thought, you know what? That's the American dream. You come here, you work, and you take care of your family. So I thought it had some really good family values um, undertones in the movie. And of course, it had a little leftism, a little wokeism here and there, because Lin-Manuel Miranda leans that way. And his dad is a big communist uh, activist uh, back on the island of Puerto Rico. But the point 
of everything was all in all, I thought it was a great movie and I thought it was unfair that they beat him up that way. And he should have stood up for himself and he should stop the left from pushing him around. But since he's like kind of part of the left, he's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I'll do better next time. Forgive me. And I think that's weak. Now, speaking of weak, that was not the case at the Loudoun County School Board uh, meeting, which has been the topic of conversation for quite a while now. They uh, went in, 250, I believe, people that were registered to be speakers, and each of them was allotted one minute of speaking time. One speaker went over their time, and the superintendent and the school board people, they gaveled them down, they pulled their mic, they said, all right, your time's up, you're out of here. And they said, you know what, we're going to take a vote. We're going to end the public comments as of now. And then the rest of these people don't get a chance to speak. And I thought to myself, wow, that's really messed up. Now, I was on Newsmax um, yesterday, Wednesday, to talk about this because you guys know that I uh, helped start a charter school, the Beloved Community Charter School, with a group of other founders, and then was on that board for nine and a half years, close to 10 years. And I can tell you that there were many a night where we had a lot of things on the agenda, where we had to stay from seven at night when the meeting started to midnight. One o'clock wasn't all the time, but it happened because you have to do what you have to do and you're there to serve the public. And in this case, the public is the parents and the children that are entrusted into your care. And to me, it's absolutely outrageous that you're going to stifle a parent by arresting them. But that is what happened. One dad who, when the meeting was over, was still complaining that he couldn't get his voice to be heard in a public forum, in a public hearing. He was literally in the public square. And the cops are trying to, you know, say, listen, we understand, blah, 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 but you got to go, the meeting's over, whatever. One cop comes and decides, you know what? I have no respect for your First Amendment rights. I have no respect for you as a person. And I've got no respect for, for the law, quite frankly. And says, you know what? Are you refusing to leave? The guy says, yeah, I'm refusing to leave. He says, great, deputies, put him under arrest. I mean, it's absolutely egregious. But we've got some audio from that. And I don't want to bore you with a ton of audio, but I really want you to hear the story as it actually happened. So let's listen to this montage of everything that went on. Check this out. I never thought I'd see the day when I'd have to stand up to protect my kids from their own school board. You put the feelings of a few above the safety and discomfort of the entire rest of the student body, and that is completely unacceptable. It is not political. It is parental, and I absolutely refuse to co-parent with LCPS. Why is only a one-way narrative allowed to take place under your watch? Why is religious freedom being ignored and trampled upon under your watch? CRT, like its counterpart, the 1619 Project, is nothing but phony scholarship. It isn't meant to achieve anything. It's meant to divide and destroy this country by people who hate it. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color. Right, and there you go. You had Senator Richard Black, a retired state senator, went there, shared his mind, and they said, you know what, we're shutting off your microphone. And, you know, you, you heard a glimpse of it, but I want you to hear the whole thing because context is everything. And to me, this is just really, this is some real tyrannical stuff. This is beyond, you know, making you wear a mask because there's a pandemic or scamdemic, plandemic, however you want to call it. This is literally come to the public square to talk about the school board that you pay for as a taxpayer 
and then we're going to tell you to shut up. And if you don't shut up and leave, we're going to lock you up. Listen to Senator Dick Black. I'm retired Senator Dick Black of Ashburn, Virginia. You retaliated against Tanner Cross by yanking him from teaching for addressing a public hearing of this board. The judge ordered you to reinstate Mr. Cross because if his comments were not protected speech, then free speech does not exist at all. It's absurd and immoral for teachers to call boys girls and girls boys. You're making teachers lie to students, and even kids know that it's wrong. This board has a dark history of suppressing free speech. They caught you red-handed with an enemies list to punish opponents of critical race theory. You're teaching children to hate others because of their skin color, and you're forcing them to lie about other kids' gender. I am disgusted by your bigotry and your depravity. Joe Mobley to be followed by Donna Russell. Chair, I move to end public comment. Second. There's been a motion to end public comment. Is there a second? I second. Motion made by Ms. Reeser and seconded by Ms. King. Is there any discussion? All in favor, please raise your hand and say aye. 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 Ms. Corbo, can I record your vote, please? Aye. Thank you. The motion carries 9-0. Public comment is now ended. We will move to our next agenda item. Now, who does this woman think that she is? So let me get this straight. So you're, listen, you're, you're not a maid when you're a school board member or board president or any of those things. Granted, you're a public servant and the respect is due both to those serving the public and of course to the public themselves. But for her to, the smugness in her voice, motion, three people spoke or whatever, 30 people, whatever it was. There was 200 people scheduled to speak. If they didn't want to hear from 200 people, they should have said, we're not going to hear from 200 people. We're going to hear from 10 members of the public. We'll do a lottery, pick a number. We're going to take 10 people and that's it. But they didn't do that. They said, sure, 200 people and whatever. And it's almost like, and if you behave, we'll allow you to have liberty. If you behave, we'll allow you to have free speech. carajo is what my dad would say. Go to hell with that. Hell no. My rights can't be taken away. I run my mouth wherever I want, whenever I want because blood was shed, because God gave me those rights, because this is America. Yet, they shut off his mic, the crowd erupts into applause, cheering on what former Senator Black had to say, and then the parents go on and they start chanting themselves, shame on you, listen to this. But it doesn't stop there. They keep going. And then they start singing the national anthem. They go and say, you know what? We're going to let these people know that we are Americans, that we have a First Amendment right, because they believe that we're in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Check this out.
That is America. 250 people at a school board meeting that were told, you do not have free speech today because we, nine people, decided that you're not going to have free speech. And they said, you know what? We reject that. We peacefully protest that. And we're going to sing the national anthem in protest. Now, it wasn't too long ago when people who were protesting things decided to do a lot worse than sing the national anthem in the public square at a public school board meeting. Right? That's right. They were burning down police stations and doing all sorts of craziness. That was civil disobedience. That was doing the right thing for the right cause. This is an outrage and nobody should be able to speak. But one parent named John, he goes and he continues to explain after the meeting is pretty much cleared up that he was just telling the cops, all we did was try to take the time and share. And we have every right to do that. And he's damn right. Check this out. It's not just upset. You guys are infringing on people's First Amendment rights. First off, what's your name? John. I'm Brandon. Nice to meet you. Can can we talk? Can we just like go over here and talk? I can talk to you right here in front of everything else here. These guys would love to hear you talk. Let's see how you guys justify taking people who came here with speaker slots so they could stand right here and press their First Amendment rights. I'm talking. I was supposed to stand right here and so were 200 other people and be able to share with these people why they care about this county and the morals that this county is actually going to support or not support. And they walked out. All these people were doing here was taking the time to be able to show and share, at least with their own people, why they're here. They have every right to do that and to press their rights and their regrets in terms of what's going on in this county. And you guys are being a tool of that thing, all right? And, and as a result, you guys are actually supporting the suppression of people's rights. John, are you refusing to leave at this time? Yes, I'm refusing to Deputies. Please arrest this individual for trespassing. Oh Listen, John, put your hands behind your back for me. Come on. Please, thanks, John. Based on what transaction? What did I do wrong? Just put your hands behind your back for me, sir. Please. What, you tell me what I did wrong. So there, you're hearing it happen in real time. This man's being arrested. His hands are being placed behind his back because he's saying, I want to speak at a school board meeting. And what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is supporting the suppression of our speech. Cop says, oh, that's it. Once you call me a tyrant, I'm supporting the tyrant that shut down the whole damn meeting. And now I'm going to send you to jail. Parents at a school board meeting. These are not people standing across a highway blocking traffic. These are not people burning down courts or police departments. These are not people trying to topple statues. These are parents, community members at a school board meeting. And he finally tells the cops, what you're doing is unlawful by arresting me. Listen to this. Now, this is an unlawful arrest. I have a First Amendment right. Listen, listen, you do. Right. Listen, you're right. Okay, thank you. Here's someone speaking rationally. Listen to me. At this point, the meeting is over. It's not over. It's not over. We were meeting. He's right. It's not over. He does have a First Amendment right. We all have a First Amendment right. Even people that are out there doing politics, even attorneys have First Amendment rights, just like parents have First Amendment rights. And this is a trend that we see coming from the left, people stifling speech, stopping people from saying what's on their mind. And it's only certain type of speech, because if you say things like, listen, if you're black, you're oppressed. If you're white, you're the oppressor. That's it. Punto y final, right? Period, the end. 
That's okay. That speech is accepted. What's not accepted is I don't like what you're talking about. I disagree. I'm going to push back and here's why. And this is what you see. This, the, the politicization of speech and power through the government. I mean, we're seeing it right now with the news that broke earlier this morning. Mayor Giuliani having his law license suspended for an indefinite amount of time. Why? Because he dared have a client and defend him vigorously. They're saying that he told multiple lies about election fraud, which is arguable because there's been plenty of irregularities. And I think everybody knows that this was not a regular election. We've never had a mail-in election for president. So based on that alone, I would say, you know what? If he, if he wants to complain that something went wrong for his client, he should have every right to, but he doesn't. Now they're stifling his speech as an attorney. And I think this is egregious, but it's happening. And we're going to have Andrew Giuliani joining us right after the break. So anyway, keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Para Inglés, o primo número dos. Para Rich Valdez. Y esto es America. Ahora. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez with an S. And, and we were talking about the stifling of free speech and how that goes. And of course, how people continue to try and besmirch President Trump, anybody related to President Trump, namely America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Now, you've been seeing the headlines. You've heard what's going on. I want to get straight to um, the nexus of this. So I've got Andrew Giuliani on the line. Andrew Giuliani, what's going on? Welcome to This is America. Hey, Rich, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You know, as I said a couple of months ago, this is another scary day for our justice system in the United States of America. When you talk about five Democratic judges, five leftist judges and zero Republican mm -hmm. judges ultimately ruling on this, deciding this for the former president of the United States attorney, a Republican's attorney like this. This is, as I said, the continued politicization of the Justice Department in America, and it should disgust anybody who looks at this from an unbiased lens. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Absolutely. I look at this and I think to myself, at what point have we gotten to where we have anybody who's a critic of anybody else politically saying, you know what, off with their head. I think it's totally um, a sad day. It's really probably the best way to put it. Now, what's the plan of attack? What are the next steps? I know that there was a statement put out uh, expecting a full reinstatement. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately what I know my father expects. I think, like I said, that this ultimately is a tactic that they are using politically. They are trying to ultimately continue to push and get bigger names for themselves. It, you know, in a place like New York that is so deep blue in so many ways, um, it is good for them to go after a political rival, which is absolutely amazing that they would not allow the facts to speak for themselves. If you read the actual complaint and what they have there, that they ultimately just say that he was maliciously um, lying to the court. It's, it's just completely false. It's not based in truth or in fact. Um, and, and that's the problem with all this. So I will, uh, you know, I will allow my father's statement to speak for itself in terms of what is next. But I do expect over time there to be a full reinstatement of all this. But I also 
I'd also make this point right here, right? My father right now is defending himself in cases against Smartmatic, Dominion, in other cases. They have now mm-hmm. not allowed him to represent himself at this moment in that. Think about that. It is absolutely absurd. They will not allow him to represent himself as a lawyer in these cases. It, it is um, it's amazing. They are trying to cut him off at his knees. And I know my father, and I know he won't take it sitting down. Yeah, and we're on with Andrew Giuliani with a minute to go. Let's uh, jump right into your run for governor. Give us an update on that and what's going on there. Well, that's been great. You know, I've hit all 62 counties in New York in the first month. I'm in Westchester today, as a matter of fact, doing an event at um, the Baronet Diner over here. And uh, I've loved it. It has been absolutely amazing. You know, today my focus is on my father and trying to help him out in whatever way I possibly can. But we're starting to see some really good early poll numbers that we are double digits up, certainly in New York City, in in Syracuse. Uh, and uh, and and we're going to have our first statewide poll numbers out very soon. So I think uh, I think right now we are the favorite to win the Republican nomination. And I think Andrew Cuomo should be very scared of a Giuliani candidacy. Boom. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, we're going to keep in touch with you as this develops. And we appreciate you joining us today, Andrew Giuliani. Uh, give us the website. NY for Giuliani dot com. That's N-Y-F-O-R. G-I-U-L-I-A-N-I.com. And, and please, anybody who wants to volunteer, donate. We could use whatever help. All right. Go check them out online. Andrew Giuliani, again, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate, appreciate it, Rich. You got it, brother. And you see, another way that they're trying to kneecap Mayor Giuliani is that they're going after his way to earn a living. Now, let's just take this into perspective. I did read these 33 pages. And while I didn't understand half of it because it's in legalese, I can tell you this that Mayor Giuliani has been a lawyer since 1969 when he was admitted to the New York bar. I have a brother that was born in 1969 and he's way past 50 years old. So you talk about 50 some odd years of being a lawyer. This is how Mayor Giuliani's made his entire career, whether it was as an associate attorney general of the United States or United States attorney for the Southern District of New York. This is uh, unconscionable to stop somebody. It's like taking barber uh, a barber's license away, saying, hey, look, you can't be a barber anymore or any other professional that earns their living that way. Yeah, Mayor Giuliani's a broadcaster now and he has a good podcast and he does all sorts of different things. But at his heart of hearts, he's a lawyer. And this action against him, in my opinion, is is equally as bad as just being a political attack, but being a financial attack. And I think this is something that we don't want to lose sight of because that's how the left works, right? That's how this whole quote unquote cancel culture operates. They want to make sure they don't only destroy your reputation, but they want to destroy your ability to earn a living so that you can't be effective, so that you don't have a voice. That's what has to stop. And it's that type of um, cultural Marxism, if you will, that has seeped its way in. This authoritarian, totalitarian approach to accepting whether we um, agree with speech or not. Since when is that a thing? It's not. It's not a thing to say, oh, I don't like that guy, so we're going to get rid of him. Now, listen, if you're a political animal, maybe inside the Beltway, maybe in Albany, maybe in Trenton at the State House, yeah, everybody operates that way. But now you've got the judges operating that way, the lawyers, the Bar Association, pretty much If somebody wants to put a political hit on somebody, including the president of the United States, including his lawyer, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, they can do that. 
And it's, you know, honestly, and it's a hard thing for me to be at a loss for words, but that's where I am. I mean, I, I don't ever discount what the left will do, but I will always, um, you know, it's kind of like hope for the best, but expect the worst. So I don't discount it, but I will say it's disappointing and a little bit surprising. You know, I thought at first it was kind of like, hey, we're going to take your license away. And they were thinking, you know, let's scare them a little bit. But it looks like they're out for blood. It wasn't just a little bit of posturing. It was the real deal. And a little while ago, about an hour ago, I tweeted, Trump critics will stop at nothing to besmirch Rudy Giuliani for defending POTUS. Impeachment, bar suspension, imagine what they'll do to you and me. And I think Mayor Rudy Giuliani retweeted that, as a matter of fact. And I mean every word of that. What will they do to you and to me? What will they do to our children if they don't like what they say? Or better yet, backtrack a little bit. What is it that you've done to somebody that you've disagreed with? Nothing like that, I'm pretty sure. This is what I want to go after, this idea that this win at all costs. I think we do need to win at all costs because we're talking about defending our homeland, defending America, but we're not doing it militaristically. So, and neither are they, right? They're doing it um, by way of perverting and prostituting the justice system. And we've seen it over and over and over. So how do we do that? How do we create that change within the justice system? Because I feel like too many people are just eager to say, yeah, that's it, we're lost, it's over, it's done. And they, they kind of uh, wring their hands and they shrug their shoulders and they're like, hey, that's it. And I think, no, listen, if there is a radical Islamist somewhere in the Middle East that's willing to have 13, 15, 16 kids, hoping that you know a good half of them will become the future jihadis of the world, why is it that a handful of patriots can't say, you know what, we're going to encourage our kids to get into law enforcement, federal law enforcement, to get into the justice system, to maybe aspire to be a judge, to aspire to be within the FBI, to be the change that they want to see within the world, in the Justice Department, in Washington, in whatever system you want to change. You want to change the education system, become a teacher, become a shop steward, get into the union, change the union from the inside out. Isn't that what they've done to us through this cultural Marxism? Isn't that what they've done to us by infiltrating our organizations like the media, infiltrating the education system, infiltrating the government with their ideas? After all, to me, this is a battle of ideas. That's really all we're doing here is we believe one way, they believe another. So we can fight over this us versus them thing where we can say, all right, how do we win this fight? My ideas have to win. I have to have the power to implement what I believe. In Florida, we win. DeSantis says, we're going to ban critical race theory. In Florida, we win. Governor Abbott says, we're going to ban critical race theory. No more mask wearing. We're getting rid of that. So we can have a win when we have people with the right philosophy that embrace the right ideology in positions of power. But we'll never get there if we think we're always going to lose those positions. That's a losing attitude, not a winning one. Anyway, you keep it locked right there because I have a couple of additional thoughts that I want to share with you. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Make sure you check it out. Check out the flagship website as well, richvaldez.com. We've got everything on there from all the social media feeds. You can probably find a link to buy one of the cool t-shirts that say Rich Valdez on there or Liberty Loving Latino Amigo. You can get a shirt that says that as well. And always check it out on any of the social media at Rich Valdez with an S. But we're talking about crime. Now, yesterday, Joe Biden had a lot of things to say about crime. And Joe Biden likes to flip it on crime being the fault of the gun, not on the person pulling the trigger. And of course, we've seen all sorts of crime, at least in New York City. You've got people throwing people on train tracks. You've got people stabbing people. You've got people doing all sorts of crazy things. But he wants to focus on guns because there's a huge anti-gun lobby that wants to put lots of money in his pocket. And he wants that political power. But what I find interesting is that Joe Biden in 1989 was singing such a different tune. In fact, we've got some audio that Mr. Jizzle was able to dig up from the vault. And I want you to listen to Joe Biden making no um, bones about his support against crime. Check this out. I think the president has to join us in making a significantly greater commitment to these six areas to stem the rising tide of violence in America. And that's what it is, violence. First, we have to join together to ensure that drug dealers are punished swiftly, surely, and severely. And in line with what the president is calling for, we have to hold every drug user accountable. Because if there were no, uh, no drug users, there would be no appetite for drugs and there'd be no market for them. Let's take a look at what the real problem is. It's not just how many people are using drugs. As the president said, the number of people using drugs, cocaine in particular, is down in our country. That's true. But the violence associated with drugs is spewing out all over America. And that's terrible. I know it's hard to believe, but this very day, violent drug offenders will commit more than 100,000 crimes on this day alone. And the sad part is it that we have, we have no more police in the streets of our major cities than we had 10 years ago. And what the president proposes won't help much. What he proposes is no increase over what the Congress has already approved last year. In a nutshell, the president's plan doesn't include enough police officers to catch the violent thugs, not enough prosecutors to convict them, not enough judges to sentence them, and not enough prison cells to put them away for a long time. That's why right now, six out of every 10 criminals who are arrested on drug charges have their cases dropped. That's why we think the president should triple, triple the commitment that he's made tonight for police, prosecutors, and judges for our cities and our states. That's right. He says triple. That's Joe Biden, 1989, demanding that then President H.W. Bush be tougher on crime tripling this, doubling that, more cops on the streets, less guns on the street. Man, I think I like that Joe Biden. That Joe Biden was tough on crime. That Joe Biden seemed like he understood what was going on in the streets. Now, Joe Biden says, well, you know, yesterday, and we don't have that audio, but I'm happy to mock him and say, you know, yesterday, uh, Joe Biden gave a speech and he says, we've got crime. It's out of control. Like most Americans, I said, enough, enough but it's going to get worse. I mean, he is the most morbid, not only boring, but he's one of the most morbid presidents we've ever had. He's constantly saying that 
Things are going to get worse. It's going to be a long, dark winter. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. Maybe if you behave, you'll have a good 4th of July. We'll celebrate independence without wearing masks. That's funny, Joe Biden, Mr. President. But that was Joe Biden back in 89. Funny how today he's all about, look, I'm. he'll say, I'm not saying we should defend or defund the police, but he takes his marching orders from the squad. All out crazy herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her friends, Ayanna Presley et al., the rest of them, you know them. They're all all out crazy. I like to call them the all out crazies. And one of the all out crazies, the one that shares the same haircut as me, we must go to the same barber, Ayanna Presley, Congresswoman, she um, was on with Don Limon on CNN. And I want you to listen to what she had to say. Um, so... Yes, I support a radical reimagining of community safety and public safety, which means reallocating mm-hmm. um, and, and not further investing in a carceral state. All right. Especially, Don, when we have not yet um, ended qualified immunity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Listen, I would like to radically reimagine Congress without the squad. A matter of fact, I think I do that every day. But we can't just have wishful thinking. We have to take action. We have to take action. But she's talking about getting rid of qualified immunity. Now, what's interesting is, you know, if you are a congressperson and you say something in the commission of your work as a congressperson, or even, you know what, driving to the Capitol or driving home, you know, because as a member of Congress, you have qualified immunity. And nobody's ever asking members of Congress to abandon or surrender their qualified immunity. But yet members of Congress are asking police officers to do that. People that have a job so dangerous that it's a requirement to carry a gun on your hip. Just think about that for a second. Absolutely insane. But Ayanna Presley is missing the mark here. She doesn't get it, but that's because she's radically reimagining everything. And she just thinks, look, we should have no cops. And if we're going to have cops, they should have no guns. And if we're going to have prisons, well, they should be smaller and we shouldn't allow people to be in jail. And if we're going to have crime, let's not uh, prosecute them at the maximum. Let's go with the minimum and let's get these prosecutors and district attorneys elected that are not going to hold people accountable so that we can empty out these jails in the name of COVID, in the name of racism, in the name of absolutely anything. That's why I support guys like Curtis Lewa because he's out there saying we need to refund the police. He's out there saying that we need to keep Rikers Island and keep people in it. I'm with him. I'd rather keep the bad guys in an island than have the bad guys on my front porch. But I digress. Now, Joy Behar, you've got Joe Biden, Ayanna Presley, the rest of the all out crazies. Joy Behar is on The View yesterday. Now, she's blaming Trump for the rise in crime. What I find uh, remarkable here is they're all blaming Trump when Trump was the law and order president. Things were dandy. But these guys, they took their, you know, um, their foot off the brake. They said, no, let, let the crime thing go. Let the crime spree, the crime wave just continue. We don't care. What does it matter to us? Let them burn every last city down. At least it looked like that was the approach they took. But listen to this exchange with Joy Behar. Check this out. You know, I'm old enough to remember many uh, decades where crime spiked and I was afraid to, you know, go out at night and, you know, you were, you were scared you were going to be mugged in New York City. And then and then um, I have a, another statistic here that's interesting because from 1993 to 2019, 
And that is a period that I was not scared to go out. Uh, crime steadily decreased in the United States. Um, every, every president since Clinton inherited a basically a declining pr crime rate, and then continue, it continued to decline until Trump came along, because Trump recited over the greatest crime rise in modern American history. The murder rate shot up 26 percent, and mass shootings spiked. Hate crimes spiked more than 20% during his presidency. Now, I don't want to lay the whole thing at his feet, but he did create four years normalizing crime. They consider themselves a law and order party, but all I see is more crime coming out of that administration where he seemed to let everybody off the hook. Everybody off the hook. Well, thank you, Joy, for not laying this all at the feet of Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. Donald J. Trump. But you literally are laying it at his feet. You're basically saying it's not all Trump's fault. There's, of course, the Republican Party. They're responsible for this rise in crime. Interestingly, though, it wasn't a single Republican city. Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. Uh, where else? They went? Minnesota, Minneapolis, rather. None of these cities are run by radical right-wing Republicans that are reimagining crime. Oh, that's right. They're progressive Democrats who believe in emptying out the prisons, defunding the police. They believe in things like critical race theory, where if you're not white, you're permanently oppressed. And if you are white, you are a permanent oppressor. Come on, man. In the words of Joe Biden, come on, man. This is why you got people like Maisie Hirono, who's also talking the same crap that Joy Reid, uh, Joy Reid, no, Joy Behar, they're all talking the same mess saying that, you know what, the, the spiking crime rate is based on domestic extremists, people like Trumpers, the, the radical Republicans that are out there, because that's the narrative that they want to sell us. They want to say, no, it's these guys with the red, white, and blue hats. It's these guys that, you know, worship the flag and love America. These people are out of their mind. They're, it's a cult, you know. Oh, boy. But, perate, we've got more. Jen back Pasaki. That's right. She's in the White House giving her briefing on Wednesday, and she says Republicans are defunding the police by voting against the American jobs plan. How's that for some political blackmail? Check this out. Well, I think the president believes that we shouldn't and we shouldn't allow access to guns to those criminals who are currently illegally buying them from some dealers across the country. And part of his announcement is taking steps to do exactly that. But part of his announcement is also ensuring there's specific guidance to uh, communities across the country to ensure that they have funding to get more community police around the country, something that was supported by the American Jobs Plan uh, that was supported that was voted into law by Democrats just a couple of months ago. Some might say that the other party was for defunding the police. I'll let others say that, but that's a piece. <laughs> Some might say you're a really stupid woman, but I'll let others say that, right? All right, listen, Jen, for circle back, Pasaki, that was very, uh, if I may, pendeja of you to say. Now, I don't know any Republicans that want to defund the police. That doesn't mean that we want a constabulary that's out there going to bully people around like we talked about in the first segment where they were stifling the parents' speech by locking them up. That was an egregious mistake. It was a dumb thing and it shouldn't have happened. Supporting the police means supporting what's right, supporting law and order, supporting good and holy. It's doing the right thing. Saying that we don't support a plan that is gonna 
continue to bankrupt America, like so many plans, like the infrastructure plan, like uh, so much of the radical spending that's going on. And again, not solely on Biden. I'll, you know, to borrow a, a phrase from Joy Behar, radical spending has been endemic in Washington, D.C. for decades. And that's part of the problem. Everybody's hooked on spending other people's money. Just the problem is those other people are you and me. This is why we have to stand up for what's right. This is why I always say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Because the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. That's why you've got to go to the school board meetings. You've got to go to your town hall meeting. You've got to start taking this more seriously. And most of you that listen to this show do. You're really big activists. You're out there. Huge patriots. I'm talking about each one, reach one, and teach one. It's an old African proverb. Let's start multiplying ourselves, duplicating our effort so that we can have more people being the change they want to see in the world. I know, Gandhi. I get a little Gandhi and a little MLK every now and again because I believe that's what we need to do so that our children can see that example and they can say, you know what? I've got to take a stand for something right. I've got to do what I know is the right thing to do. That's all I've got. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, America, I am Rich Valdez and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade.